Hey guys, if you are struggling to stay focused, I get it. With everything that's going on in the world right now, it feels a little bit like Groundhog's Day. The kids are always here, and so there is no difference between Monday and Saturday. And it's one of those reasons that I want to make sure that you guys know about our Start Today brand. Start Today began with my Start Today journal. Several years ago, I came up with this product for myself that would help me to practice gratitude and to make sure that my goals were crystal clear in my mind as part of my morning routine. At the beginning of this year, I launched my priority planner, which was a way for you to take the biggest goal in your life and break it down into bite-sized pieces so that you could actually start to make traction. So if you have not checked them out yet, oh my gosh, go to starttoday.com and check out our newest line available in Target stores all over the US and of course at target.com. If you know that right now you need to stay on task, you need to stay on target, please check out these products. I think that you will love them as much as I do. Starttoday.com or target.com to start today the right way. There's power on a human level of it is good to be around people who aren't like you. Yes. They make you better. Yeah. Right? They make you, they force you to see another perspective, to see another side of things. Uh, and that just creates more well-rounded human beings. Yes. I'm so excited to have another one of my best girlfriends on the show today, you guys. Britt Barron is an incredible speaker, writer, and her focus is on diversity and inclusion. Today, we're going to discuss everything from how to be a better public speaker to how race and inclusion can improve not only business, but the entire world. I mean, that sounds like a heck of an intro, but it's super real. So far, we've just been telling people like, hey, tell us everything about your career. And I found that that's too, it's just too big of a question mm -hmm. to ask. So I'll just like, take us back. Take us back in the day. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. How far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start on the day you were born. No, I'd just love to hear a little bit about um, you, college through starting your career and kind of how that led you to where you are now. Great. So college happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like, I don't know if this is important, but it feels important to say right now. I feel like I've always been a dreamer mm. in that I made a proposal for my parents when I graduated from high school and I was like, Kids in Europe do a gap year, and there's all this research that says they're better for it. I didn't have any actual research. It was one, <laughs> one Newsweek article. Yep. That I but it was cut out. I, yeah, yeah. yeah that and was I was like, good. gosh, they're like great. Um, and so I took a year off before college started. I and didn't know that. Yeah. See, this is like I would. How would I have known? Yeah. Great. So they gave me a year. I was a preschool teacher's assistant. I did know that. To make yeah. enough money to travel and live my dreams. And so after the year, I was like, okay, like, I don't know. I think that was just something that started, like, I want to do things, like, my own way mm -hmm. on my mm -hmm. time. I think that's always been inside me. But uh, then I went to college, 
and I went to grad school immediately after college Mm -hmm. and got a master's in counseling and student development because that felt right. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I did three years in higher education um, and then three years in like ministry Mm -hmm. until, and I think it was just a perfect timing of everything because even in my first job outside of grad school, I loved it so much. But I feel like ever since I took that year, in the back of my mind, I've always thought it would be great if I could just create my own thing. Yeah. And I've always wanted to do that. And so last June, I left my job and I've been doing my own thing. So it's kind of like my, okay, it was like time to sort of spread my wings. I just turned 30 and I was like, just do it, girl. Yeah. Just do it. Quit that job. Read all the inspirational quotes. <laughs> Be friends with Rachel Hollis. Yes. And just go just for go. it. Just go. Yeah, just do yeah. it. How has that felt? Do you ever have too much freedom? <laughs> like, am I flying or am I falling? <laughs> it feels like a question. Yeah. Um, no, it's been amazing. I feel like it's been so good and hard and has just brought stuff out of me that no job I think, would have ever brought out of Mm. me. And so I'm definitely grateful for that. But right in the thick of figuring it all out, which feels, like, amazing and, like, a special time that I will look back and say, like, whoa. That was the year. Yeah, that was it. That was when it all happened. Yeah, that's awesome. Or hopefully. I love that I said that's awesome. Like, I don't know the story, but I feel like I'm learning (laughs) and it's new. Um, So tell me what's the – tell us about what you're working on now. Yeah, so um, I've always been passionate about uh, diversity, um, particularly with race, uh, and how that impacts and influences the way that we live our lives. Mm -hmm. So I was fortunate enough to be tasked with uh, creating a curriculum at my last job for unpacking and understanding race, Mm -hmm. and have taken that with me, kind of restructured it and reshaped it for uh, schools, for companies, for any organization that wants to better understand unconscious bias, how that affects their marketing, how that affects their hiring, or uh, the way schools interact with their students and teachers. And so I am doing that freelance and then speaking and figuring out how all that's going to come together. And I feel like you have um, a really um, an interesting perspective of this because you're coming from two different cultures. We mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that, just as a side note, because nobody can see you, so they don't know why oh, you right. have an opinion on oh, race. Oh, yes. <laughs> don't you wish you could see me, everybody? <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I grew up, my mom is Mexican, my father is African American, and they are both uh, just very uh, proud and invested in, in where they come from. So I just grew up uh, with that lens, but I grew up in predominantly white communities my whole life. Mm -hmm. So predominantly white schools and sports teams and neighborhoods. So I think I've always just craved sort of a better understanding, particularly with the communities around me. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, there's a lot of other literature out here that we could be reading and there's a lot of of things that we we could be talking about or understanding better. So Mm -hmm. let's... Let's you, change it up. Will you explain, if mm-hmm. someone's never heard the term unconscious bias before, explain to us what that means. Yeah. So unconscious bias is basically things that influence our behavior that lie beneath. So we don't do them consciously. 
So the example I use in my TED Talk, uh, which you heard, is um, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000-hour rule. Mm -hmm. So in the book Outliers, Gladwell highlights something called the 10,000-hour rule, which essentially says if you spend 10,000 hours practicing, intentionally practicing something, you become an expert in that thing. But once you become an expert, 70% of that action now lies in your subconscious. So it becomes sort of natural. So are like premier athletes, they do what they do, right? Michael Jordan used to just shoot free throws. And if you asked him, how do you make 100% of the free throws you shoot or whatever, uh, he'll only be able to articulate 30% of that because mm -hmm. 70% of that has become unconscious. Yeah. He spent so many hours just in there shooting um, that that lies beneath. So when there's a ball in his hand, his unconscious bias reminds him of how to shoot it. So when we talk about race in this country, we have a long history of segregation. We have a long history. Um, it's only been f 62 years since Brown versus Board of Education. Mm -hmm. And it's only been 51 since Jim Crow was taken out in most states. And so up until that point, we were literally segregated. So we spent all that time becoming experts and so now what a lot of us have is this unconscious bias that we don't even know why, but we just say, oh, let's just do people that look like us in these posters mm -hmm. or just get that girl or mm -hmm. let's just put the commercial here. Um, and that's, that's the thing that uh, one sociologist puts it this way. When you're born in America, you're put on a moving sidewalk of racism and sexism. Mm -hmm. You just, it feels like walking. So it's not until you, someone forces you to stop and look around that you even realize you've been moving this whole time. Mm. And I think what a lot of people think about race or racism or sing out, they think about it in terms of intentional actions, yes. right? Of like, I'm looking at that person and I'm going to not like them because of the color of their skin. When I think the reality of most of what we deal with in America it's just, it lies beneath the surface, and it's a residue of 350 years of segregation, yeah. of being separate. Yeah. And so trying to come together feels like a task where we have to unearth some of that. And remind me, 350 years of segregation it equals how many 10,000-hour units? 294. Wow. Yeah. So incredible. So we became experts 294 times. So now trying to come out of that feels feels daunting right mm -hmm. and so what I like to do is try to take the stigma off of race we're not talking so much individual we're talking systemic mm -hmm. we're saying these systems have affected you just as much as they've affected me our job now is to figure out what to do mm. yeah. and what do we do <laughs> oh, <laughs> call me and find out hire hire me yeah oh. Everybody calls Brittany Bean, so yeah, I'm yeah. gonna slip and say that like 75 mm -hmm. times, probably. Um, I think one of um, one of the greatest gifts in my life is our friendship, as a real thing. Uh, but oh, tear, wipe the tears <laughs> away. But also um, because I have fundamentally been changed as a person for our friendship. And I think in one of the ways that is so powerful to me is you are so gracious with allowing me to ask dumb questions. Um, and I, re I remember when we first started hanging out and I had questions for you that felt really dumb. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to ask you, but I don't know what the, and you were like, if you ask humbly, like if you're, it, it's only upsetting when you assume you know the answers. If you ask humbly, like I'm never going to be 
offended by your question, though I have, like, asked you some doozies in the course yeah. of our time together. So thanks for still hanging out with mm-hmm. me. As a um, – what do you think the power in um, – this is, like, so obvious, so I want to punch myself already for asking this question, but it, it's <clears throat> it's worth it. Um, if, if someone's listening to this and they're working in an office that is um, – Everybody looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Just speaking to someone who maybe hasn't thought through this lens before, um, mm-hmm. what is the power in this? Y'all, we are doing a community-wide challenge, and it's totally free, and I am challenging you to join us. It's called Next 90 Days, as in how can we be intentional, thoughtful leaders for the next 90 days. We're going to need our community. We're going to need accountability more than ever. So I want you to head over to theholliscode.com slash next 90. That's theholliscode.com slash N-E-X-T nine zero and join us. Every single week, Dave and I will be teaching on a different topic, things like perspective or reaching for joy or dealing with anxiety in these crazy times. We are going to give you so many free resources and surround you with community. When we did this at the end of last year, we had 650,000 people sign up and we feel like it can be bigger than ever. Come together in a community of like-minded people and let's learn how to choose our mindset no matter what is happening in the world around us. Yeah, I think the beauty is that there's power on multiple levels, right? There's power on a human level of it is good to be around people who aren't like you. Yes. They make you better. Yeah. Right? They make you, they force you to see another perspective, to see another side of things. Uh, and that just creates more well-rounded human beings. Yes. And then beyond that, it's great on an organizational level. Because again, you have that diversity in the room. Mm-hmm. Was it Apple? I think it was Apple. Uh, did a study um, and actually found how much better projects do when the team that they set up to work on the project was diverse, mm. right? Because this is just fundamental, right? Yeah. Like, it's fundamental. If you have the more voices you have in a room tackling a problem or a project, the better. Mm-hmm. When all those voices sound the same, you really only have one voice, Yeah. right? So, so getting a diverse group of people for anything... Mm-hmm. You always win. Yeah. People don't get this, especially, like, I grew up in a small town, and this was not something I was even aware of until I moved to L.A. Um, You don't realize when everybody is like you, because this is just what your world looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, And, in fact, when people aren't like you, when they're different in some way, it's scary. So I, I cannot encourage everyone listening enough to the idea that when you do life with people who don't look, act, think, vote, love like you do, mm-hmm. not only does it make you grow, but it makes you aware of an entire group of people that you weren't conscious of before. Um, yeah. it, it's so easy to be dismissive of different segments of people because you don't know anyone who is like that. So you can say, you can be dismissive about fill in the blank because you don't know anybody that that affects. It, it reminds you of how different you are, but also how similar you are. Mm-hmm. Like I'll never forget when I was in... The fourth or fifth grade, my mom, like, literally forced me to do tap dancing. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I know. 
But I actually couldn't even make it through our final performance because I had fog machines and I have pretty bad asthma, which has like gotten better as I've grown up. But like mid-performance, I'm like, like gasping for air. Yeah. So um, all around, it was a bad idea. But I'll never forget when we got our like uniforms. We all had everyone. I was the only person of color on in the like group in the class, and so we had quote unquote nude tights. Mm. Okay. So imagine I come out on stage and my legs are a completely different color. Then the rest of my body, because of course the rest of us isn't like yeah. a leotard. So I've yeah. got lots of skin exposed yeah. that is clearly a different color, yeah. right? And one of my friends was like, huh, I guess when they say nude, they mean me. Yeah. You know? And I was just like, yeah. Yeah. I guess they do, right? And those are little things that like one of us, it's not me, maybe it was her, is going to grow up and eventually be over some kind of underwear line yes. somewhere yes. and is going to think about that yeah. and maybe change that yeah right I remember when um when you and I first started hanging out one of the dumb questions that you kindly let me um ask you was uh to explain white privilege to me I don't understand what is it why is it a privilege and I think for a lot of people who are white they get defensive about that idea and the first thing you said to me was what color is a is a nude band-aid what color is a band-aid mm-hmm. Rachel and I was like, oh. and it was that like, and I know you have, we've, cause you've actually come and done, um, your workshop here at Chic, uh, and there's so many other examples of that, but you don't think, you don't see things as they are. You see things as you are. So that's yeah. not something that would occur to me that I get to put on a bandaid and it camouflages into my skin tone. Right. Um, and that's part of the moving sidewalk, right? Yeah. Cause you're not supposed to see it because when we talk about race and we talk about how it's systemic. That affects everyone, no matter who you are. If you're born in this country, it affects you. And even as you start to unpack some of that, you're still affected, right? Mm-hmm. The same thing with um, sexism. So I'm like a card-carrying feminist. Yeah, like, here, here. I have the card, it has my picture, and all the things. Um, you got the plaque. You're going to the membership meeting, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going this after Thursday. this? Yeah, 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 okay. I'm bringing bagels. Great, yeah, yeah. So recently, I was talking to a friend... And she was just talking about how she can't cook. Like, she just, like, can't. I don't know. Physically? I, you know, I was just like. <laughs> and I had this thought in my head that popped up. Was like, why can't she cook? Yeah. And I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> I spent years dismantling yeah. the patriarchy that lived in my brain. But it's just, like, a testament to when you are fed these messages over and over yeah. and over, even as you have, like, come out of them and have said like okay that's not me that's saying it's not for me sometimes they just like pop up out yes. of nowhere and all yeah. of a sudden I'm looking at my friend like why can't you cook yeah you know yeah. like she should be able to cook like as if that's her job right yeah, yeah. and I was like I don't even believe that yeah. but deep down it's just some it's been it's in me yeah. somewhere you know so that's like I think unconscious bias shows up in that way, Mm -hmm. you know? It's not even things you necessarily believe. Yeah. But you just have become socialized to sort of embrace these ideals. Yeah. Dang it. Uh, All the things. The man. Damn the man. (laughs) Not really. We love him. Well, some of us love him. (laughs) I love them as friends. (laughs) (laughs) And my dad. (laughs) 
guys, we'll be back in a hot minute with more of this interview. But now, a quick word from a sponsor. Want to listen to an audiobook that'll make you feel better about your crappy job? Party Girl takes listeners on an adventure among Hollywood's most beautiful and most outrageous people, revealing the ugly side of Hollywood's prettiest parties. The entire Girl series is now available on Audible, and it's read and written by me. <laughs> Discover the world of Audible Originals today at audible.com. You are sincerely one of the greatest speakers I know. You are so what? good on stage. Oh gosh, you are. You. you really are. You know you are. I mean, you have a TED Talk. Yeah, raise, yeah, your, raise your hand in this room if you have a TED Talk. And All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. You are also the MC for our first... You will be Shout the out MC to Rise. For, for every Rise event. <laughs> that's just real life. Um, as long as you will work with me, that will keep happening. And that's forever. Um, great. What advice would you give to someone who has to give a speech, who's doing some public speaking and is <laughs> terrified by the idea or wants it to be more natural, what would you, what do you do to pump yourself up? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, I really think that you can never underestimate practice. Yep. As someone who I think, or I would say public speaking comes very naturally mm -hmm. to me, I think I still practice more than a lot of people think. Mm. Because the beauty about seeming natural on stage comes from when you know your stuff. Yep. So if you want to ad-lib and you want to go off script, you have to be able to come back seamlessly. Yeah. And that only comes from literally hours of practice. Yeah. So how about you're going to say, say it in front of your iPhone and watch it back, say it in front of your dog. You um, practice in the car, right? Yes. Yeah, so I practice yeah. in the car. When, when I was prepping for the TED Talk, on the way to work, I do nothing but say this talk out loud. Mm -hmm. On the way home, I can listen to music or do whatever. But you just practice. So when you actually get on stage, something's going to go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to see someone or you're going to think of a joke that's funny <laughs> and you're going to want to say it. You're just going to want to be natural. And when you just have it down... You can do that. You can do that. We so. always, when we're nervous, we always revert back to our highest level of training. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't prepared, yes. then you're going to revert back to like, uh, you mm -hmm. know, and actually this is terrible, but there was, during your um, TED thing mm -hmm. there was a there was a girl who got super nervous and had to leave stage which yes. was one of the most painful things I've ever witnessed in she my did. entire life because she got so nervous and she didn't know what else to say mm -hmm. she went off stage saw her words and then came back and kept going yeah but it is like when you get nervous you're going to go to that place and if the highest level of your training was referring to your notes mm -hmm. then that is what you're going to have to do to get yourself back on track yeah. so I feel like that's a good tip will you tell us a little bit about your TED talk it is called What Beyonce Taught Me About Race. Ooh, ooh. Because, of course, I had to pay homage to the queen Always. herself. And I was thinking about this season of my life, how I think there's this, like, myth that, like, if you do something you are naturally inclined to do or you love to do, you don't have to work hard. Mm -hmm. Like, somehow you'll find the right place or stage in life where you can coast yes. happily yes right like yeah and so I was like thinking about how like that's not true yeah. like you can never like there's no getting around hard work yep. if you want to get to the next level get to the next yeah. level like live your dream so I was trying to figure out like for me what the distinction is between when I love working hard and when I hate it yeah um, because that's those are two things that happen. 
And I was like, man, because Beyonce pumps me up too. Yeah. Like you have to force like yourself to just like, yeah, see someone who's like, okay, she works so hard and she's like killing it and like the world is better because of it. Mm-hmm. And then I had this thought where I was like, man, I think most people enjoy working hard and like grinding when they feel like they are contributing something truly to the world. Mm. I think most people hate like the hustle and the grind and the work when they feel like they're trying to earn something from the world, Mm. if that makes sense. So I was like thinking about like Beyonce motivates me because I'm like, she is hustling so hard and the world is better for it. Mm -hmm. Like she is working hard to bring something to us. Like I don't get the sense like she's like hustling to like earn. Yeah. Yeah. And so like being at a place, like finding your thing that you feel like, oh, I'll go hard Mm -hmm. so I can contribute this thing that I have. Well, it's like, what's your why? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the motivation? If your motivation is I'm trying to, you know, make money off of you or I'm trying Mm -hmm. to do whatever, yeah, that's going to feel like a grind. It also feels impossible. But if you're like, I'm just making, like, I'm just a painter and I like to paint Mm -hmm. things and I'm going to put them out there and I hope that you like them and even if you don't, you know, that's okay because it's just what I'm doing. There's power in that. Yeah. I think... um, so often people who are creative, in, in whatever way, I think we mm-hmm. all are creative, no matter who you are, what you do, I think we each are creative. They, there's a, everybody has a thing they like to create, mm-hmm. but that when they get um, a negative opinion or a bad review or someone says something or it's not received the way they want it to be received, they stop doing it. Yeah. Or they do it, but now they're doing it trying to please those people who didn't like the first thing that they made. When the reality is, I think that you create because you have a God-given ability to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you start to care about someone else's opinion of the thing that you're making, yeah. that's when you start to hate it. Yeah. Because it's now you're trying to do it to get something. Your why is because you want a response. You want love. You want instead of just like, here's mm-hmm. my thing that I made. Or someone doesn't like it or when it gets hard. Yeah. Right? It's like I used to just paint on Saturday afternoons. Did you really? And now there's... This is like secret just a story. Yeah. Oh, I do that, but I do paint actually. Really? Yeah, I know. Huh. I haven't oh. literally since probably two thousand seven. Kind of thing I'm learning about you today. Um, but then when it's like I have fifty orders mm. for paintings. Yes. Right, and now all of a sudden it's like, yeah. Okay, do you want this? Yeah. Or like, it's such not, a great. You know? We were actually just talking about this today. <laughs> I was talking about this with books of dreaming for so long that someone would want me to write a book for them. Mm-hmm. And then getting that opportunity and now going into these later contracts where now it's work. Now it's it's mm-hmm. not like sometimes is it, it loses a little bit of that mm-hmm. mystique of like yeah. I really wanted to do and now it's here. And, and I do have to ask myself, okay, what, how can I spend this or how can I make this to be something that makes me really excited to produce because it feels like a slog. Like you're slogging through trying to get to the next when you're not excited about what you're making. So it's a really interesting space when you start. Um, if you haven't read Big Magic, you absolutely should. One of my read favorite it. books on creativity. Um, but she talks about if you can, for as long as you can, not get paid for the thing you create. Mm-hmm. There is such power in that because you get to be protective of it. Yeah. You know, some of us got to pay those bills. So. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to... Yep. My bills. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, yeah. Yeah. Hey. please leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> Stop calling me. So diversity and inclusion is so important 
in the work that you do now, what advice would you offer to young women who are coming out of college, who are starting their careers, who I do think that a younger generation is more mindful. I hope that they are more mindful than maybe my generation or my parents' generation. Um, what would you say? How can they be helpful on both sides of this? What mm -hmm. does it look like um, to be a woman of color? Mm -hmm. And what does it look like to be a white woman? Yeah. Um, because I think, I like I have you as a friend and I'm able to ask a lot of dumb questions. Um, not everyone has access to that. So what advice would you give? That's interesting. So I think you have to find ways to advocate that make sense for where you are, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes you see something that you don't agree with in your workplace and you have a few options, right? Say nothing, put your head down, hustle till you get to a higher level where you're making the decisions and now you change it. Mm -hmm. um, address it, bring it up in a way that makes sense for that context or flip over all the tables and leave, right? Yeah. The options are yours. <laughs> um, most people just coming out of college who get a job can't flip the tables over and leave, yeah. right? And so I think one of the most important things is we need to look out for each other. Yes. Women of color, white women, any women coming out uh, into whatever field you are, it's so important to look out for each other. Thank you. My first boss outside of grad school was a woman named Carrie Heath, shout out to Carrie, <laughs> who I still talk to because she literally like took me under her wing and was like, listen, every single guy I hired this year negotiated for their salary. Mm. Um, and only two of the women did. Like, mm -hmm took us to conferences about, like, just looked out for us because I think sometimes, again, in our society, men ask for things, they go for things, they initiate conversations that we won't naturally do. So if you have some kind of agency, you have some kind of information, look out for each other. Mm -hmm. And I think, secondly, for women of color, know your resources. Mm -hmm. Like, find out. There are a lot of people, I think, right now that, like genuinely want to help yeah if you're looking for a mentor which I think everyone should have always if you're looking for just resource yourself to no end mm. I think I always ask questions I always say the most disarming question uh you can ask is help me understand yeah so it's hard sometimes when let's say you see something in your workplace that you don't agree with or you see a practice that is exclusive or you mm -hmm. see something, it's very disarming to be like, help me understand how, uh, help me understand why all of the women of color work in this division and it's not the one that oversees, you know, these yeah. qu kind of questions. Yeah. It's, it's Or help disarming. me understand why all of the upper level management are men. Right. Yeah. Help me understand. Yeah. What is I mean, you can like, it can get to a tone yeah. where it's like, help me understand how it's 2017 <laughs> and you don't have one female on your leadership team. Um, but try to keep it, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think my advice is just you find women who have been where you have been, ask them questions. And if you are a woman and you see someone coming up, look out for them, have their back. Yeah. Take them under their, your wing. Is there a book that has had... I, I'm laughing already. I, are you a big reader? Yeah. Okay. I'm you, a really big three-fourths reader. Yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I've got so like many books. Got, and I yeah. get to a place in the book where I'm like, 
I get it. Yeah. You know, in fact, though, <laughs> you're not the only person that's told us that yeah. in, in podcast interviews. A lot of people do that. I think with nonfiction, too, you're like, yeah, yeah. all right, cool. I almost exclusively read nonfiction. Yeah. Um, is there a, a book in particular that has been really powerful in your career? My favorite book of all time that I read for the first time when I was 16, all the way through, Yes, uh, was the autobiography of Malcolm X, mm-hmm. as told to Alex Haley. And it really, like, changed me. I read it when I was 16. I read it again when I was 19. And I've read it a few times since. Like, I always go back to it. And there's just something about it. You know, there's this part where he... Again, Malcolm X was this... Um, before he was Malcolm X, he used to relax his hair. He was very much sort of assimilating. He was kind of doing all these things and had this this moment where he was like, but why? You know, who told me my hair wasn't great the way it was? Mm-hmm. Who? Where did I get these ideas that that I had to be something else? And so I think that book just like lit a fire in me that has translated into my career of like, who told me who I was yes. had to be different to get into this space? Yes. And so I think that that sort of like tone of who he is, just like, I love it. I feel like I like cling to it of like, no, who told me I have to change yeah. this or this, right? I have very curly hair. And I remember just thinking like, you know, my first couple of jobs, yeah, I straightened my hair for the interview. I just remember looking back like, who told me I had to do that? Yeah. Right? Like, what I want to... I'm, I want to go into spaces as me. Mm-hmm. And so that book has just impacted my life. Um, but there's another book that is like so 100% practical. It's called Transitions. It's literally a title of the book. It's about transitions. And my best friend Phil got it for me uh, when I left my first job out of grad school at Pepperdine. And... I read it just about every big life transition, and it's just so helpful mm. on dealing with transition, which I, I feel like is always a thing yeah. career-wise. So those are my two picks. I like it. Um, so I'll go. We ask um, everyone the same five questions mm-hmm. in every interview, and now I will ask them to you. What time do you get up in the morning? Depends on the morning. <laughs> I like that answer. That's just fine. Um, What is your coffee order? Uh, Chai tea. (laughs) You're not a coffee drinker. I'm not a coffee drinker. At first, I worried that we wouldn't be able to be friends because of this, but you do order a chai. My fiance is coffee queen of America, so I got that. I'm okay. We could, yeah. Yeah. Um, What is the one item you cannot travel without? Oh, gosh. The first thing that comes to mind is jacket. Yeah. Layers. Oh, yeah. I can't. If I'm uncomfortably cold on an airplane, yeah, so I don't cold. care if I forgot, like, my headphones, yeah. if I forget everything, yeah. but I'm warm. Yeah. I'll be okay. Also, I feel like pockets are an essential when you travel. Yes. I need, like, oh, yeah. multiple. Mm-hmm. I should just go with, like, a vest. Like, I'm going on safari. Just so you should. Because then it's, like, boarding pass, yeah. driver's license. Boop, oh, remember boop, I took boop, out my boop, thing boop. and I yeah. put it. Yeah. 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 What is your favorite like workout of choice and how often do you do it depends on the <laughs> i'm just kidding um i think deep down in my heart it's running yeah you ran a half marathon i, I did i did it everybody 13.1 ooh, i really ooh. feel like it was 13.2 the yeah, way the thing was basically, anyways basically, um yeah. yeah and i do it okay well 
in theory and pre- yesterday I went running for the Good. first time in yeah. a very long time. So great weather. I'll say like once a week. Sure. <laughs> that was this week. Yeah, I love it. The podcast is called Deus. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea is that Deus is a platform, um, and I ask everybody if there's one topic that you feel like women today are missing. Um, like if you're on a soapbox and you can only tell people one thing, you want to shake their shoulders and be like, yeah, you got to get this. What is it? Women specifically. Yeah. Shake their shoulders. Okay. Ugh. I feel like I would love to just scream with a microphone at every woman everywhere like, you have to see your power. Mm. Like, ah, uh, I just, like, we are so freaking powerful. Mm-hmm. I don't think we understand, like, physically, like, we are birthing babies. Mm-hmm. Like, financially, we make most of the household decisions in America. Yeah. So if we want real change, like, yes. financial change to happen, like, that's us. Like, we are creative. We are diplomatic. Like, if we just... I just wish more women knew their power mm-hmm. and went for it. That's so good. Can I ask, because this, this makes me think of it, I would love to hear your perspective on this. Because women have the buying power, mm-hmm. explain to me how, why that matters in terms of what kind of companies you do business from, where you buy from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so much stuff has happened politically mm-hmm. in the last six months, yeah. no matter what side you lean on. Mm-hmm. But if you were paying attention to how certain businesses are behaving, um, if you're aware of that, mm-hmm. that there is power in not buying your groceries from or riding in that yes. particular car because... Uber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they're supporting... Um, just being smart enough to know who they're supporting and whether or not it aligns with your beliefs, whatever your beliefs are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super powerful. And this is... Um, I lead a civil rights tour that goes through the South and we interview people and uh, some of huge like civil rights fact nerd and just getting deep into understanding so much of that movement was economic Mm. like you look and it's like whoa the march on washington and that was certainly this big representation but the bus boycott and boycotting coca-cola and the sanitation worker strike and they were saying we're taking our economic agency and we're moving it and that speaks so loudly in our in our uh country right the way it's set up and so i think as a woman who is has statistically more buying power in their households, absolutely we should be conscious of what mm-hmm. we're doing, right? We should be researching things that you buy often. Where do you buy them from? What other opportunities are out there? How many women sit on the board of what stores? Yeah. How do they treat? And I think um, Sammy and I, my fiance, we... You know, we, like, 2017, we're like, okay, we're supporting um, as many black-owned businesses as we can, Mm -hmm. as many small businesses as we can, and as many businesses owned by women. Mm -hmm. And if it means we... Have to drive a little further, have to pay a little more. And we can't Amazon Prime everything, we have to go a little in advance, right? Then uh, we're going to do it, because that is, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. So Beans, um, beyond being my friend and being awesome, teaches an incredible... It can be multi-day. What you did for us here at Sheik yeah. was a single day. Mm-hmm. Um, is it racial reconciliation workshop? Is that what you would call yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I just actually finished my one sheet. Yeah, you did. So it's like three different ones. Yep. For people who are listening, is particularly those people in business, mm-hmm. if this is not something you're already talking about, 
oh, that's upsetting for your yeah. company, but you're gonna hear about it. Yeah. And I think that um, to be on the forefront of um, companies that are saying there's power, this is important, we need yeah. to be talking about diversity, we need mm-hmm. to be talking about unconscious bias, to bring in a company like yours mm-hmm. with the talented team that you have yeah. Um, so is, yep, is an incredible um, way to start a conversation with some, like, in a way that doesn't feel like because you are that person for like I can't imagine what it feels like to be the person that all your friends are always like hey what is this mm-hmm. how is this I don't know I would imagine that some people who come to teach about anything at all mm-hmm. that it could be boring that it could be right. like oh my lord like nobody's going to want to show up to this and um y'all are so personable fun even when it's talking about hard things yeah. um and and present it in a way that um I think everyone was was really I know everyone was really changed by the experience. So I can't recommend it enough for people listening who want to do what they need to do. It's I mean it's like a million dollars I think as you're going right. Yeah, so. 1 million, 1 trillion. <laughs> well, and like you said, it's like you can't not talk about it, right? It's yeah. like even with hashtag #boycott uber or yeah. boycotts. It's like people are taking agency in companies that they by whether or not they see them yeah. making an investment in like diversity and inclusion and equity. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you always for being a resource for me to answer questions and often be like, oh, no, that's a terrible. Yep, mm-hmm. you should stop doing that yes. immediately. <laughs> thank you yeah. for telling me, shut your mouth, follow your dreams. Yes, stop <laughs> yeah, in yeah. all caps. You can do you can do all the things yes. if you work for them. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for sitting down. I know that um, women listening are going to be um, – inspired and want to be friends with you and what a bummer they can't be only a chosen few get to hang out i'm done making friends in this life it's done (laughs) no more i've reached my friend cap (laughs) can't allow any more people um but thanks for hanging out with me i super appreciate it thanks rach yep Thank you so much for listening to Britt and I talk about all of these really important topics. If you want to learn more about what she does, definitely check out BrittBaron.com for diversity consulting. Hey guys, if you like this episode, I hope you will consider subscribing to the Deus podcast on iTunes, sharing it with your friends and showing some love on social media. For a newbie show like mine, those reviews are everything. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. To stay in touch with all things Deus, you can check out thechicsite.com or follow me on social media. I am Ms. Rachel Hollis on every single platform. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week.